Reverend Jake Sletton will deliver today's message. Assisting in the worship service is the organist, Mrs. Courtney Sletton, and the acolytes are Carson Ray and Caitlin Kleinbecker. Today's broadcast is sponsored by the funds donated to the radio ministry of Trinity Lutheran Church. May God bless us as we worship together. of word and sacrament. There we go. Uh, why don't we stand and greet each other this morning in the name of the Lord. So as you're finding your seats once again, we'll continue with uh, the announcements that we have. First of all, today is the day in which we recognize and celebrate all of our graduates here this morning. If you are here uh, and would like to sit up here with the rest of the graduates, you are certainly welcome to. Uh, they are sitting right here. Everybody wave your hand. Uh, and we will uh, recognize them at, at the end of service and we will have a special prayer for them as well. Our next announcement, Vacation Bible School registration forms are in the narthex and need to be completed as soon as possible so that we have the uh, chance to get all of the kids signed up and signed in. Sign-up sheets for the picnic are also out in the narthex. They're on that table outside there. Uh, we invite you to join us every Sunday morning for Sunday school and Bible class at 845. Uh, the adult class is now meeting in the upstairs uh, uh, room of the, of the school just right as you go upstairs and the Sunday school classes are down just on the other side of the cafeteria there. And then also our next council meeting is June 4th at 7 p.m. in the chapel. Darren Shane wanted me to announce that this morning. So the next council meeting is June 4th at 7 p.m. in the chapel. I believe that is all the announcements that we have for this morning. So let's start our worship today with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, this wonderful Sunday morning, Lord's Day, that you have given to us. And we ask, Lord, that now as we worship you, that as always, Lord, that you would give us a zeal this morning for your house of worship here. We thank you, Lord, for all those that you have gathered here this morning. For, Lord, we know that it is not by chance that we are here but only, Lord, by the calling of your Holy Spirit. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. 
We sing our opening hymn, Lord, open now my heart to hear. That's number 908908. So we begin this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart, and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching Him, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Amen. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. So then, in the stead, and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I therefore forgive you all of your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Your word is a lamp to my feet. Forever, O Lord, your word. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands By your appointment they stand this day. For all things are your service. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit 
as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Your word is a lamp to my feet. The Lord be with you. Let's pray. O God, the giver of all that is good, by your holy inspiration, grant that we may think those things that are right, and by your merciful guiding, accomplish them. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. Our first reading this morning is from Acts chapter 17, verses 16 through 31. While Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him, and some said, What does this babbler wish to say? Others said, He seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities, because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took hold of him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? for you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all, the Ath- now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there 
would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found, as an, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. This is the word of our Lord. At this time, it's for all the young disciples who are here today to come forward for the children's message with Miss Menning. Also, make sure to bring up your mighty mites if you have them. And choir directors, please meet at the home of Betty Sawyer. May 22nd at 4.30 p.m. for a planning meeting. Anyone in the congregation is welcome to attend. VBS will be June 4th through June 9th. Starts at 5 Why don't you guys come over here where you can see this? Registration forms are come available in the Narthex or church office. So who can tell me what this is? It's a gift box, right? Can anybody tell me what gift might be in here? Anybody know? Anybody want to guess? Harper? The gift of what? Hallie, what do you think might be in here? Anything. Ooh. Cordell, what do you think might be in there? Maybe flowers? Is there any way for us to know what's in this box just by looking at it? Okay, shake it for me just a little bit. You hear a little bit shaking in here? There's really no way for us to know. It's impossible. It's unknown what's in this box, right? In the reading that we heard today, we learned about the Apostle Paul's missionary journey to Athens, Greece. And when Paul got to Athens, he noticed that some of the people were worshiping unknown gods unknown gods that they had created themselves. And Paul told the people that they had it all wrong. MJ, Paul told the people, you don't create gods, God created us, right? We learned that from Genesis. Um, 
The one true God has made us, and Paul told the people in Athens the truth about God. He told them that God created the world and everything in it. He told them that God loved his creation very much, and he told the people that God sent his own son, Jesus, to die on the cross, and that the Holy Spirit lives in us and helps us grow in our faith. Right, Nate? Some people, do you think everybody believed what Paul said? You think everybody believed? You're right. Some people didn't believe what Paul said, and they continued to believe in their unknown God. But some people did believe what Paul said, and they also learned that God is not far away from us. He lives close in our hearts all the time. They learned that God lives in our hearts to take care of us no matter what happens in our lives, right? We believe and we have faith in God's saving grace, and we do not have to put our hope in something that's unknown. So why don't you all bow your heads and pray with me, please? Nate, fold your hands. We're going to close our eyes and pray. Lord Jesus, when we feel like you are far away, help us to remember how close you really are. Thank you for giving us comfort in knowing that you are always close. Amen. So do you want to see what's in the box? Yeah. You want to show them? Nothing. Just plastic. Nothing's in the box. Our epistle lesson this morning is from 1 Peter, chapter 3, verses 13 through 22. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts regard Christ, the Lord, as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. This is the word of our Lord.
The Holy Gospel this morning, according to St. John, the 14th chapter. Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while in the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated.
Will you all pray with me, please? Dear God, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours this morning from God our Father and through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning's meditation is from the lesson from Acts that was just read a few moments ago. You want to have that in front of you because we'll be going through it and referencing it as we go along here this morning. If you were to go to Athens, Greece today, and you were in Athens, and then you would go to the Areopagus, the same place where Paul is recorded here in Acts to have made his sermon to those who were there, you will find at the foot of the steps leading up to the Areopagus an inscription. And on that inscription is everything that Paul said. All of, of his words about Jesus and about how he has been resurrected from the dead, all of the inscription from his sermon to the Greeks that day is found there at the foot of the steps going up to the Areopagus. Certainly the ancestors of the Athenians were more receptive to the words of, of Paul than, than those who, who were there that day over 2,000 years ago. Because for those who were there, Paul's sermon was met with sort of varying emotions. There were some who just laughed at him and said there's no way that this is possible. And there were some who were there who sort of agreed, but they weren't quite ready to sort of commit to anything yet. And there were some there who simply didn't believe, and they just walked away and really wanted nothing more to uh, hear from this guy, Paul. It was common, or it is common knowledge, that at this time in Athens, the cool and the trendy thing to do was not to have a fidget spinner. Have you spun it around? What was the cool and trendy thing to do at that time was to gather in the city square and to talk and to share ideas and to speak about these ideas with others and to try to, to make one another more intellectual than when you first arrived. And in this group, in the, in the city square, there were two main groups of philosophers that were found. One group was known, as the, was known as the Epicureans, and the other group was known as the Stoics. And these two groups of philosophers, they both believed in two different things about how the world worked. As far as the Epicureans go, they believed that, that number one, everything happens by chance. Number two, that death was the end, that you just lived and you died and that was it. Number three, that God was isolated, that, that, that their gods were just sort of up in the heavens above and they wanted nothing to do with creation that was below. And the fourth thing, that pleasure was the most important thing in life. Not material or physical pleasure, but living life in such a way so that there is no pain that is inflicted upon you. And now the Stoics. They believed these three things. 
Number one, that everything was God, that in every person and everything in creation that there was a little spark of God inside of it. And when it dies, it simply just goes back to God. The second thing that they believed, everything that happens is the will of God, and because it is the will of God, it must be accepted without complaint. Whatever happens, happens, and that's it, and you're not allowed to complain about it. And the third thing that they believed was that every so often the world would be destroyed by fire, and it would just simply start over again, and this happened every so often. And it is these people, the, the Epicureans and the Stoics, it is these people that take Paul to the Areopagus to stand trial. Not a trial in the sense of wanting to condemn him, so if he said the wrong thing, then he was ju- just going to go to jail. No. Remember, these people, they, they valued learning in the same way that a lot of people at that time valued gold or something else very, very valuable. They just simply wanted to hear him, and they wanted to know what he had to say. And so they take him to the Areopagus, and he goes there to make a case for his Savior, for his Lord, Jesus Christ. And he begins his sermon in a very interesting way. Let's take a look at that. Uh, Let's see, starting at verse 20. Two. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the object of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I now proclaim to you. There was a, I, I came across the reason for why there were these altars of these unknown gods, and I kind of find the story a little bit comical, but maybe you won't. I did. So this is what happened. About 600 years before this event, there was a really terrible plague that had hit all of the city of Athens, and there was really nothing that they could find that could cure it, that could heal the people and to get rid of the disease. And so of all people, a poet comes along and says, I got it. This is what we're going to do. So he says, go get a flock of sheep, a flock of sheep. And there are black ones and white ones in this flock and let the sheep go free in the city. And wherever the sheep go to, whichever altars of whatever gods that the sheep go to and lie down at, then sacrifice the sheep to that particular god. And if the sheep go to altars that have no god, or at least no god by name, then just simply sacrifice those sheep to the, to the unknown god. I find that kind of comical, because, you know, they, of all of the people that they could have called in to try to get rid of this disease, I love poetry, I love poems, but the first person that I am not thinking of is a poet who can come in and and summon and sort of say, well, just let a bunch of sheep free in the city, and then we've got it all taken care of. So it is this event, this history that Paul knows about, and so this is where he begins as his launching point for his sermon, and his sermon has six main points 
We're, we're going to go through them very briefly here. Verses 24 through 25. The God who made the world, he says, and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. God is not the maid, Paul says. He is the maker. God does not live in these things, these wonderful and beautiful things that you have built. It is wrong of you, uh, you Greeks, to place any significance upon that. Because God is not what is made. God is rather the creator. He is the maker. Going on to verse 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place. God is involved in the lives of people, of all people, of all nations. He is involved. He does care. The gods, or sorry, God is not just up there in heaven and just doing his own thing and doesn't care about what happens here below. Remember that it was the Epicureans that believed that. We know this certainly from incidents like the Tower of Babel, where God comes, comes down and he changes the, he mixes up the language of all of the people so that they are not able to do this thing that they are trying to build. We know this certainly from the Exodus, where God sends his own servant, Moses, and then leads them through the desert by day and by night into the promised land. So God is involved in the lives of people. Verse 27, the first part of that. That they should seek God. God has created mankind so that he instinctively longs for God. We are made with this trait. God has created you and I with an innate, char with an innate characteristic that you and I are dependent creatures, that we have bodily needs that need to be met, food, clothing, house, home, family, uh, friends, bodily needs that need to be met, and they all come from God. You are not able, I don't think, and if you are, I want to know, you are not able to eat an orange and then somehow produce an apple. You can't do that. You have to, in, in order to get the, the nutrients that you need from an apple, you have to, in fact, get an apple. Well, where did the apple come from? Well, it came from a tree. And where did the tree come from? Well, it came da, 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 and all, all, all the way down the line. We are dependent upon God for the things for which we have. That's how God created us to be. It is an innate characteristic within us. <clears throat> Dr. Gibbs from the seminary uh, has this quote with regards to the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, and give us this day our daily bread. He says this, that it is a salutary reminder that our creaturely existence in which basic bodily needs must be met is the design of God the Creator. The old saying goes that no man is an island. Well, that's very, very true. God has not created human beings to live in isolation apart 
from him, apart from other human beings. Going on to verse 27, I'm sorry, the second half of verse 27. Yet he, God, is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and we have our beings. Even as some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. The fumbling around in the darkness trying to search for God. This God who you people, you Athenians, think is so far, ab- uh, that it is, is so far above us and is not interested at all in creation. This God is known. And it can, and he can be known. As a matter of fact, he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and we move. And we have our being, and notice what Paul does here. He's really, really good at trying to get his listeners to get on his side. Even as some of your own poets have said, we are indeed his offspring. Paul says you can know God. You can know who he is, and he is near to each one of you. Going on finally to verse 30, the first part. The times of ignorance God overlooked. Paul says the day of judgment is in fact coming. And so for some of you Epicureans who, who believe that life just sort of ends, that we die and that's it, this life is not all that there is. That's what Paul is trying to get across to his listeners. To the Stoics, he says, we don't just sort of get absorbed back into God and then that's it. And, and that, so then, no matter how we live life on this side of eternity, well, it doesn't really matter because either A, this life is all that there is, or B, then we sort of get absorbed back into God. No, Paul says, the day of judgment is coming. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. And then he says, the man whom he has appointed, and of this, I'm sorry, he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. The man whom he has appointed is not an unknown God. This God can be known, this God is known, this God is in fact God, and we know this, Paul says, because he has been raised from the dead. Paul, we are, are, are not told explicitly in this text, but certainly Paul can say this with absolute certainty, because he's seen Jesus by this point. This Jesus who died, who was crucified, there was no breath left in him, was buried and laid in a tomb, and then appeared to Paul and actually spoke to him. And so Paul says this this man is not, number one, he is not an unknown God. He is, as a matter of fact, can be known, is known, and is very close to each one of you, Athenians. And I know that, that he is God. We know that he is God because he has been raised back to life. And so Paul ends his sermon 
Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, of course, as we, as we heard, some mocked, verse 32. But others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul leaves. Uh, but some joined him and believed. And so, again, there were mixed reactions to this speech, this sermon from Paul. And so what does, then, this sermon from Paul mean for us here today in the 21st century? Well, let's go back to his first point. That God is not the made, but rather God is the maker. I, you've heard me say this before, but I encourage all of us every now and then to take a self-inventory of ourselves. Specifically with regards to our relationship with Christ. How is it going? How much time are you spending in the Word? How is your relationship going? There are so often and so many times for which we can simply just spend more time with other things that we have made other than God, no matter what those, what those things are. Let's go back to his third point. Again, God has created mankind so that he instinctively longs for God, that we are made with this trait. We are made with this innate characteristic that we are dependent people, that we are dependent creatures, that we need things from outside of ourselves in order to live. The Athenians were certainly like that, we here in the 21st century are certainly like that as well. And now his fifth point. Again, Paul's fifth point, that the day of judgment is coming. It's going to happen, folks. Jesus is going to return to earth, and as he says, his, his, those who believe in him will go on his right, those who do not believe in him will go on his left. And so the question really is not where are you going? At least I don't, I don't think for us here in this place here this morning. But the question is on whose merit are you going to be cashing in when the day comes? Is it your own? Or is it the merit of Christ? So often, how often have we, whether we have realized it or not, how often do we or do we, do we know people perhaps who have said this line, well, I just, I just need to get right with God. If I just do this, and if I just do this, and if I, if I just live my life a, a little bit better, I just, that's how then I can get right with God. Let me make this point perfectly clear. God does not care about what you can do to get right with him. The simple fact is because there is nothing that you can do that you personally as an individual can do in order to get right, right with God. How often do we then, maybe, maybe, it, maybe this getting right with, with God takes a little bit different shape. Well, 
Pastor, I come to church every Sunday. Every Sunday. I'm here. My family's here. My children are here. My grandparents are here. We come to church every Sunday. I did it, or I'm doing it. My grandparents did it. Their grandparents do it. My kids are doing it. And my kids' kids will do it also. We come to church here every Sunday or, or go to church somewhere every Sunday. Let me make this point perfectly clear. God is not impressed with your perfect church attendance. He's not. Certainly it is good, and he wants you to come to church. He wants you to be here. He wants you to be here so that you can join your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in worshiping him, in singing praises to him, in being prayed for, <clears throat> in participating in the sacrament of, of his holy body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. God, God wants all of that for you. <coughs> Excuse me. But if you think for one moment that just coming to church every Sunday makes you somehow more holy, you're dead wrong. God is not impressed with our church attendance. He's not. There is nothing that we can do in order to get right with God. This, is the, this was sort of the problem that the Athenians had at that time. They were, they were trying everything that they could in order to get themselves right with their gods, or even at that time their unknown gods. But this is the message of Paul to the Athenians. This is the message of Jesus to us. There is nothing that you can do. There is no, there, there is, is no award for perfect church attendance, at least from God. Trust me, on the final day, when Christ is there before you and you come before him, he's not going to give you a certificate for perfect church or Sunday school or Bible class attendance. It's not going to happen. So the question then becomes, well, what does he care about? Go back to his third point. God has created mankind so that he instinctively longs for him. God is not interested in how you can get right with him. God is not, God is not interested, nor is he impressed by anything that we do, but by simply relying on everything that his son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, has done for us. Why? Because he is involved in your life. Because he is, is, is not just up there just sort of hovering around as if he doesn't care. And just, well, you know what, you all just sort of do whatever it is that you're going to do, and, I, and that's, that's, that's fine, and I, I just don't care. That's what the Athenians believed. That is not what Paul is teaching, nor is that what Scripture teaches us. He is interested in us. He is involved with us. This goes back again, then also to his fourth point. That the fumbling around for God is over. Re remember what he says in verse 27. 
<coughs> excuse me, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. This must have been an absolute bombshell at the time in which Paul was preaching this. Very simply, you can know God. You can know him. As a matter of fact, he does know you, is involved with you, is involved in your life, and wants to be so, wants to do so. He is involved so that he can break down our hollow deeds of self-righteousness. He is involved so that he can take us as his very own children in the waters of holy baptism and call us his own and make us his own and free us from all from, from ever feeling the need or the desire to ever want to find righteousness on our own. Because certainly as Paul says, <clears throat> because in him we live and move and we have our being. In him we live, in him we move, and in him we have our being. And so Paul's message then to the Athenians, Jesus' message to us here this morning is this, that God is involved, that we are dependent upon him, and that the day of judgment, well, it, it is coming. But as believers in Christ, as his very own children, this is a day that we need not look forward to with dread or with fear. Rather, the exact opposite, with anticipation, with joyful hearts, knowing that when that day finally arrives, that we will be taken to heaven with him. And instead of, of, of this world where we see ju just so much sin and death and destruction, we will instead be in his glory, showered in the radiance of his eternal glory for us, which he won for us on Calvary's cross, rising again three days later for us, so that there is nothing that we can do to earn this, but rather everything that God has done because he is involved in our lives for us. Christ is risen. Amen. Please rise. We now say together the words of our Christian faith, and we do so using the Apostles' Creed. It is found printed on the back cover of your hymnal. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated.
At this time, we will collect our tithes and offerings. Now is a, is a good time also to fill up that red sign-in book that is in your pews. Those who are on the window sides, when you have signed that, please send it back towards the aisles. And the person who is sitting on the aisle side, please tear off that, that first page so the, so the elders can come around and get it afterwards. Uh, and with that, we collect our tithes and offerings. The mission of Trinity Lutheran Church is the preaching, teaching, baptism, and sharing the love of Christ in our church, our community, and our world. TEA is having a garage sale Friday, June 6th afternoon and Saturday, June 17th in the morning. For more information, email tes at tlsfreistat.org. The Trinity Lutheran School is seeking someone to supervise after school care for for the 2017 through 2018 school year. For more information, please contact the school at 235-5931. Picnic committee sign-up sheets are available in the narthex of the church for the church picnic. For more information, please contact Kay Kaiser at 417-849-3682 or leave a message at 417-235-7978. Trinity Children's Sunday School and Adult Bible Classes meet at 8.45 a.m. each Sunday in the school, and Men's Bible Study meets at 6.30 a.m. each Wednesday morning in the chapel. Several ladies' Bible studies meet during the week in surrounding areas. For more information, call the church office at 417-235-7300. The Lutheran Hour is our church's witness to the public marketplace. Today's message is Comfort in the Spirit for Our Spirits, based on John 14, verse 15 through 21. For times and locations near you, visit www.lutheranhour.org or contact the church office. These broadcasts are made possible by the donations to the broadcast ministry of Trinity Lutheran Church. Please contact the church office for how you can help. Included in our prayers, our family is weak from the bulletin and our seasoned saints from the bulletin. We now rejoin the congregation during the worship service. Please rise. In our prayers this morning, we have a few folks that we want to remember. First of all, for those on our help list, <clears throat> for Melba McCord, Nancy McRoberts, Mary Fritz, Ella Kleibaker, Esther Holly, Flora Overman, Landreth Worm, Erwin Kruger, 
Erna Shane, Janice Meyer, Myron Reed, Rosa Marie Griman, Carol McIntyre, Marilyn Stewart, Brenda Lawmaster, Caitlin Clybaker, Elmer Kaiser, Orrin Fritz, Ethel Helmkamp, <clears throat> Dale Chapman, Dan Haynes, Dustin Schmidt, Don Schmedeke, Clint Skaggs, Joan Haynes, Bill and Jim Wilson, Thelma Barnes, and also the family of Susan Seninger, whose stepfather passed away this last week. We also want to remember those who are celebrating birthdays and anniversaries for, or for Orville Osterlo, who is celebrating his 89th birthday on May the 18th. <clears throat> also for Willie and Mary Hazeman, who will be celebrating 28 years of marriage on May the 27th. And so we go to our Lord in prayer. For the church, that the Lord would bless and protect his people in a world where so many worship false gods, known and unknown, and that he would give his saints a clear and bold proclamation of Jesus. Lord, in your mercy. For the government and for those who protect us, that they may be strengthened and upheld in every good deed. Lord, in your mercy. For the lonely, the destitute, and the homeless, that the Lord, who, who preserved eight souls in the, in, the, in the ark, would grant them companionship, food, and shelter, and that as we, his people, might be his hands and feet in love for others. Lord, in your mercy. For all those, Lord, that we know who are suffering, whether it be physically, spiritually, or emotionally, especially, Lord, for all those who are named on our health list, and for all those, Lord, for whom we name before you in our hearts now. <clears throat> Lord, in your mercy. For the saints who have gone before us and stand before the Lord in glory, let us give thanks to the Lord that we might retain, that we might remain steadfast in the faith until we too see Christ in his glory. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, for all those who are celebrating birthdays and anniversaries soon, we give you thanks especially for Orville, who will be celebrating his 89th birthday on May the 18th. Also for Willie and Mary. And Lord, we give you thanks for the 20 years of marriage that you have given to them. Bless these folks, Lord, in this next year of their lives. And uh, Lord, may they grow closer to you each and every day. Continue to keep your watchful eye and your guiding care upon them. Lord, in your mercy. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we pray a special prayer for all those who will be graduating soon, uh, Lord, from varying stages in their academic lives, and we give you thanks for them, Lord, and we ask that uh, in this next year, in this next phase of their life, that they would draw closer to you each and every day. Uh, Lord, for those who are graduating from high school as they go into college, we pray, Lord, that you would keep them very close you. May they stand firm in, in their faith and by your Holy Spirit continue to watch over them. And Lord, for all those that we know who are graduating, we thank the Lord for their efforts and for the time and the hard work that they have 
to put in, and we pray, Lord, that in this in this knowledge that that they now uh, that this knowledge that they now know that they would use it, Lord, for you and for your glory, Lord, in your mercy. Lord, finally, for all who receive Holy Communion this morning, that the Christ who did not leave his people as orphans would strengthen the faith of his penitent children with his very body and blood. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so, people of God, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord who overcame the assault of the devil and gave his life as a ransom for many, that with cleansed hearts we might be prepared joyfully to celebrate the Paschal Feast in sincerity and truth. Therefore, with the angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. <clears throat> in the same way also we took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and said, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you all.
Please rise. And now may this, our Savior's body and blood, strengthen and preserve you in, one, in the one true faith until life that is everlasting. Depart in his peace and joy. Amen. give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Let us pray. We give thanks to you, almighty God, that you have refreshed us with this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy that you would strengthen us through the same, in faith towards you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Bless we the Lord. Alleluia. Christ is risen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. We now sing our closing hymn, number 803, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee.
Please be seated. It is at this time we want to recognize all of the graduates that we have here today. So when I call your name, please stand up and face the crowd that is behind you. Uh, if you are sitting up here, and if you are standing, if you are sitting out there, please stand up as well. Uh, first of all, Skylar Thompson. Turn around and face those wonderful people there. Is the daughter of Rod and Rebecca Thompson, and the granddaughter of Walt and Cheryl Brown and Randy and Ramona Thompson. She has graduated from Mount Vernon High School and will be attending Missouri Southern State University, majoring in computers and or graphic design. So congratulations, Skylar. Uh, Caitlin Clybaker. Where are you at, Caitlin? I saw you earlier. Somebody's pointing. Oh, she's in the back. That's right. Uh, we'll, wait, we'll wait for her to get out. Um, Jack Elliott Goodman, where are you at? Fine, sir. Okay. Jack is the son of Jack and Laura Goodman. His grandparents are Sam and Joyce Goodman and Paul and Darlene Hood. Jack will graduate from Monette Junior High and will be attending Monette High School. Uh, his future plans are undecided, but he plans to work hard and go to a good college. So congratulations, Jack. And Emily Kruger, where are you at, Emily? Emily is the daughter of Kurt and Lisa Kruger. Her grandparents are Erwin and Judy Kruger, and Lonnie and Jane Par Parmenter. Uh, Emily is a graduate of Monette High School in the upper 10% of her class. She plans to, to pursue a career in pediat pediatric medicine at the University of Arkansas. She'll be working with Mission Doctors Without Borders, and her goal is to work in underdeveloped countries. Congratulations, Emily. And Allison Kruger, is she here? Very good. Allison is the daughter of Robbie and Terry Kruger. Her grandparents are Jerry and Gloria Kruger and Ellis and Barbara Hogan-Miller. Allison is a graduate of Verona High School. She plans to attend Crowder College to study early childhood development. And the goal is to teach special needs preschool and or kindergarten students. Congratulations, Allison. Sydney Larson, are you here? Very good, Sydney. Uh, Sydney's parents are Jeremy and Kimberly Yelinek and Jeff and Rachel Larson. Her grandparents are Bob and Linda Yelinek, Suzanne Watkins, Larry and Roxanne Watkins, and Ken and Cindy Larson. Sydney is a graduate of Pierce City High School. She plans to attend school at Missouri Southern State, majoring in visual arts. Congratulations, Sydney. And Cheyenne Salazar, if you would stand, please. Cheyenne is the granddaughter of Glennon and Carolyn Clybaker. She is graduated from Pierce City High School, and her future plans include attending Missouri Southern State University to major in radiology. So congratulations, Cheyenne. Uh, Anita Calico, are you here? Very good. Nita uh, recently graduated from Liberty University with a Master's of Divinity degree. She's also a registered nurse, and she would like to either teach or get involved in medical missions. Congratulations, Nita. And Ashley Morris, where you stand, please. Are you here today, Ashley? Ashley Morris? Bueller? Bueller? Okay. 
Is there anybody that I, that I missed? Hopefully not. Okay. Can, uh, once again, congratulations to all of you graduates. God's blessings to you, and we will continue to pray for you uh, in these next endeavors and adventures that you have. May the Lord be with you always. May the Lord also be with all of you in all things, and I look forward to seeing everybody next week. It has been our pleasure to bring you this worship service from Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. We pray that you have benefited spiritually from this service and invite you to worship with us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. If you are not able to be with us in person, we invite you to listen by means of this broadcast on radio, freistatradio.com. We commend you to the loving care of our gracious Heavenly Father. May His love surround you and His mercy be evident to you in all things. Your announcer has been Parker Shane.